Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. The voice of the Pacers is Chris Denary. A little more geeked up for this than usual? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's the start of the second half of the year. Uh, Pacers have been one of the surprise teams in the NBA. Uh, I've I've caught up today, I think, in all of my NBA podcasts. And I I heard you talking about the Woach podcast with Tyrese, and I listened to that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, the Garden is always a special place. I know when I went there for the first time, you know, to do a Pacers game, I had done WNBA games there. Um, You know, it's a special place and uh, should be a good one tonight. You've got... Uh, a Knicks team that got beat the other night, they had won five straight, I think. And the Pacers have played, you know, r- their best basketball of the year maybe since the Knicks lost a month ago. They're 8-2, and two, uh, really have found a way to uh, win clutch games. They're 7-1 and one in the last eight. So, yeah, they're, they're, this should be a, a real special environment and, and uh, for the Pacers tonight. That environment and motivation since that last Knicks matchup, Chris, with you in a second. But I asked this question a little bit earlier. And out west, you probably look at Sacramento. In the east, is it the Pacers? Are these two teams involved in that trade deadline deal a year ago the most surprising in the NBA as we've reached that halfway part? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and and it's benefited both teams. I mean, you know, I was listening to again to Tyrese with Woj, and I and we've all talked to Tyrese about it just what he's meant to this franchise. And it was tough for him. It's tough for anybody to be dealt. But for Sacramento, they felt they needed a big. And the Pacers got their point guard of, of now and the future. And I think it has unlocked Miles Turner. I mean, he's, he's had the best year of his career. Uh, you know, Halliburton has set him up. One of the things I was looking at, John, in a note that I made, is the amount of paint touches that Miles has had this year and his ability to score in the paint is as high as it's ever been in the NBA. And you can attribute that to the presence of Tyrese Halliburton. So clearly the trade has benefited both teams. Clearly it's benefited the Pacers in the East. And Sacramento is trying to make its first playoff appearance in, I think, 16 years. So, yeah, those are two teams that uh, I think probably more was expected of Sacramento uh, than it was of Indiana. I think we all know that. I think the Vegas number was 22.5 or 23, and the Pacers have already won 23 in the first 41 games. So I think you'd have to say that the biggest surprise in the league at this point has been Indiana. And uh, Chris Denary, Valley Sports Indiana, voice of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Speaking of miles in this matchup, I believe that the last time out was the last time that 33 did not have a game that now has become um, become expected, I guess, from a lot of people's standpoints for him this season, right? Yeah, I mean, he's had a number of uh, stretches. I mean, he's on what, uh, just looking at it right here, uh, he's on an eight-game stretch where he's averaging 20 points and eight rebounds. And you're right, you go back uh, to that Knicks game, he had just six points and eight rebounds. And that was a game that the Pacers had a six-point lead in the final two minutes and couldn't hold on. And since, uh, they are 7-1 and one in situations like that. So, 
Uh, clearly, Miles has been a big part of that. He was huge the other night in the comeback in the fourth quarter against Charlotte. He had 12 of his 29, had the huge block shot on Plumlee. Uh, so, yeah, Miles, uh, like a lot of the players in this 8-2 and two record uh, in the last 10, has, has been a little bit different than they were uh, back in December when they played the Knicks. Yeah, Brunson had 30 in that game, too. He was like head bob. I think you only went to the free throw line five times. My man, head bobs and jerks and twitches <laughs> trying to get foul calls. He like went to the Jimmy Butler, I think, school for trying to get NBA foul calls. Well, they got they have guys, uh, John, that can just flat put up points. I mean, Julius Randle in the last ten's at thirty one, Brunson in the last five is at thirty one, and Emmanuel quickly is probably playing right now as well as he's played all year. So, yeah, I mean, Brunson was really good. Randle was really good back in Indianapolis, and there'll be a handful for the Pacers tonight. Yeah, I don't think uh, did Barrett didn't play Monday night. I don't think with the Knicks, did he? No, he did not. He's missed six with a, a lacerated finger now he is listed as questionable so we'll, we'll just have to see if he's available for the Knicks and he has been a problem for the Pacers I mean you know he's left-handed I think he's got six straight 20-point games when he plays against Indiana he's got good size so that'll be something uh, we'll be following here in the next few hours non-COVID related illness for Aaron Neesmith who basically since that point in time has really started to pick it up as well any expectation i'm assuming you you get on the bus and then on the plane or off the plane on the bus and go to madison square garden thinking that you may play because if you don't you get left behind is that maybe a good way to look at it or what's the possibility he participates tonight well, the good news is, John, he was not on the back of a plane with us. When, when <laughs> T.J. McConnell had his non-COVID illness back yeah. when we were on that long road trip, right. he was in the very back of the plane uh, with us, with the staff members. And so the good news was yesterday when we flew to New York City, Aaron Neesmith was not among us. So that means he was up front uh, with his teammates. So uh, hopefully that's a good sign that there's a chance that he'll be available tonight. I love the fact that he's carved out a significant place on this team. Has he not at this point in the season? Well, let's go back to when the trade happened. I think everybody was enamored that you were getting a first-round pick, um, and that meant the Pacers coming into 2023 would have three first-round picks, their own, Cleveland's, and Boston. And you also had Daniel Tice, who's a, a veteran center. And, you know, I think a lot of people looked at Aaron Neesmith's numbers over the last two years. He averaged four points a game. I mean, this is a guy that has gotten an opportunity, just like Jalen Smith did a year ago, and he's made the most of his opportunity. And he's given the Pacers somebody alongside Andrew Nemhard in the starting lineup who's an outstanding defender. And so you now have Nemhard and Neesmith who, you know, can guard top-flight players. And so that's been very important. I think they have felt more comfortable with Jalen Smith coming off the bench, uh, backing up Miles Turner. And it's just created some different opportunities uh, for the Pacers rotationally as far as, uh, you know, Rick Carlisle is concerned. Uh, anything else going into tonight's game that uh... – you're interested in watching. I think we've we're so, especially me. I've so overdone the whole Zerbiak thing. I've I've been hesitant to drop that on you. But beyond that, uh, anything stand out to you as far as matchups of interest at the Garden tonight? Well, I think the one thing is as good as Indiana has been in coming back from deficits. I I think you you still need to get off to better starts. I mean, 
uh, the other night at home against Charlotte, probably as bad a first quarter as they've played all year with 15 points. They were down 14 early in the second quarter, and yet they came back again and won the game. Um, and, and they've proven they can do that. They've, uh, they've got 11 uh, comeback wins, went down 10 or more. That's number one in the NBA. Uh, they've got 16 clutch wins. That's tied for first in the NBA. All those are very impressive numbers. But you'd like to see them get off to a better start and not have to rely on those solid fourth quarters and those comebacks to win games. So, you know, you, especially in a place like the Garden, uh, you know, that'll be sold out. Fans are always amped up. You don't want to give the Knicks any opportunity uh, to have a lot of momentum early in the game. So I, I think that'll be something to watch tonight. Is, is how the Pacers start, especially on this uh, road game. And after tonight, the Hawks coming up on Friday. That's Trey Young and that squad again. We saw them there not too uh, recently in the past at the Pacer win. And then that one and only time with John Morant and uh, local product Desmond Bain and a very good Grizzlies team on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, they've got, they've got Desmond Bain. They've got LaRavia. They've got John Conchar, all players who have, what, Indiana ties. Uh, Conchar yep. uh, played at uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne. Yep. LaRavia, of course, you know, former Sycamore, played at Wake Forest, LC. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I would encourage fans, if you haven't done so uh, for Saturday night in particular, you better work quick to get tickets because this is, this is a game that uh, I think is easily going to be a sellout um, you know, the atmosphere in the building has been just terrific, especially the last month. And uh, it'll be good to see the Pacers at home on uh, Friday and Saturday because then they've got a road trip next week uh, at Milwaukee, at Oklahoma City, and then a back-to-back at Denver and Phoenix. So uh, there's never any let-up in the schedule, John. You always have to be ready to go. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is a uh, interesting start to the second half of the season. So you have to be thrilled with what you've been able to accomplish. But as Rick Carlisle said, you can't rest on that. You've always got to be ready to go. And so uh, second half of the season starts tonight. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I love the story of LaRavia. Um, and Desmond Bain, who was on the show this summer as well, uh, half of Wayne County, I'm assuming, is going to be over here coming up on Saturday night to, to watch him play. And he has been fantastic. And you, you're watching the evolution of Jaron Jackson Jr., and, you know, it's, it's interesting. This team has been put together in, in a very unique way, I think. And it all kind of surrounds that level of play that, that John Morant brings to the table. He's really he, – he's one of those unique type of athletes that you see in the NBA right now, without question. Yeah, and I think that's why there's so much excitement in Indianapolis – around Tyrese Halliburton. And again, he's a little bit different player than Ja Morant, but he is a dynamic point guard uh, who leads the team in scoring, but also leads the team in assists. And as you look across the NBA, I mean, I look at what the Pacers have done through the draft the last few years, uh, the trades that they've acquired with Neesmith, Jalen Smith, and Halliburton three years ago, all were lottery picks. And so you throw in Nemhard, you throw in Matherin, you throw in Isaiah Jackson and Chris Dorte. Those are seven young players, and then you've got the veterans and Heald and Turner and McConnell and those guys. That's similar to what Memphis has done. They, they've built through the draft. Cleveland has built through the draft, and I think uh, that's, that's what Indiana has looked at, and you can see what they've done here early in the year. They're trying to be successful just like Memphis and Cleveland. 
you know, at some point you look at some of these teams, um, you know, Milwaukee's still very good, and they got maybe the best player on the planet in Giannis, but I was doing some early look at their roster. They're really, really old, and at some point, Age will catch up with you. So I think the way the Pacers have done it, they've put themselves in prime position for right now, uh, also with the opportunity to, to continue this for uh, you know a, a good run into the future. Pacers-Knicks later on tonight. That tip is at 7, Bally Sports, Indiana. 7.30. 7.30. Ah, see, yeah. so Eddie put that up there with the pregame, didn't he? God dang yeah. it. Seven seven o'clock pregame, seven thirty. So it gives it gives people a, a good chance to enjoy their dinner. Uh, from a TV standpoint, we like that uh, seven thirty or eight. Yeah, uh, I like it. Time. I'm going to have to tell Eddie to the tip time needs to be the tip time, and then we'll right. figure out what happens thirty minutes earlier in our head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That threw a guy off. I just I don't have the smarts real good to be able to do that on the fly. So seven thirty is the tip. Seven p is your pregame on Bally Sports Indiana, the voice of the Pacers. It is Chris Denary. Hey, enjoy that game later on tonight, and uh, we'll fire you back up here in the near future. Going to be a great weekend. All right, thanks, John. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kevin Bowen, The Morning Show. Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. That may give me the ultimate sports arousal, or at least one that I've had significant in a long time, if that be true. You buy into any of it. So I had not heard that. Is there – so you said nothing like – Yeah, there's there's not a great deal of context around it. So I, I hesitate to bring it up, I guess, just because it's a conversational piece for us both right here. But there's not a lot. Here, um, here it is again. Um, one official from a team searching for a head coach believes Harbaugh wants the Colts job. No word yet on whether Harbaugh plans to speak with Indy Brass, unless this thing is just like wrong. But this is what this says here. But the connection is obvious, and obviously they go back to uh, you know him being the quarterback here. But that was that went through that went through, I guess, an article from ESPN and Jeremy Fowler had a bullet point possibly connecting Jim Harbaugh to the Colts. That is what it is. And that was from I'll give credit Landon Oliver, who is from the uh, at the blue stable. You know what that is? And I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I, I don't know what that is. Um, and a shout out to Landon because I'm sure it's great. I just I don't get out very much. I think everybody else knows that. So uh, at the blue underscore stable, who's had that? So all credit to Landon Oliver who unearthed that that tidbit. Yeah, you're just trying to spell things correctly in the YouTube channel. Oh man, so. it's, it's not working out either. I'm I'm cuss- I real I go back and I go, man, I didn't even mean to cuss here, and I'm cussing and everything else. Yeah, things can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. My usually, keys are too close together. I got big usually, thumbs. You and I, usually when you and I are texting, it's just like, hey, 903 Sunday. <laughs> I mean, usually just says like 903 Sunday. 903? 
903 is what I say. For my bullseye event um, interviews with you. Yeah, the whole hardball thing, John, has been really weird to me. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think you could read a lot of it to be agent-driven. Um, obviously, the press release was super odd and if I were a Michigan fan, would have clarified nothing and honestly probably made me feel a little bit more skeptical about him staying there uh, really for the 2023 season and beyond. I mean, if you look at his contract in college, it is wild. He does not make more money considering how much these college coaches make. I mean, hell, Mel Tucker at Michigan State's making more than him. Well, I think he had to give some back here a year or so ago, right? Didn't he have to give some back? Did he? Why? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just maybe making stuff up at this point to try to get him here. Maybe that's it. Yeah, and, and I, mean, I thought I he had to give. Was, I thought he had to give a little bit of salary up, and he had to spread it around for for assistant coaches. I don't. Did I dream that? Well, it, I, even if that's true, like I mean, again, that's kind of a Michigan issue. I mean, if you're going to have Jim Harbaugh be your head coach, you better be paying him top dollar, paying his assistant you know, top dollar as well. And it's Michigan. I mean, we're not talking about you know, some little plucky Cinderella story that has struck gold for a couple of seasons. It's a program that stadium speaks for itself. Um, you know, I, I, Denver and their pursuit of him, you know, from a financial sense, obviously it, it is massive with the Walton family. And you have connections within that organization. John Elway, from a Stanford standpoint, that would be one of them. Um Condoleezza Rice is in their ownership group. That's a Stanford connection as well. Uh, you know, I thought when Arizona came open, you know, I, and I saw that they kind of entered the Sean Payton sweepstakes. I mean, they are the only opening. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're the only opening that also has the GM open. Yes. So yeah. if you're Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh and you want personnel control and you have any sort of Kyler Murray infatuation, you know, maybe that would be a path that you would explore. The biggest question I've always had here is if he's here, what does that mean for Chris Ballard? Well, if that's if if, if that is any any bit of a speed bump and or a roadblock, I may implode right here on the air. Yeah, which is totally understandable. Well please don't do that. No. I'm trying I will try not to, but I may. I may implode right here on the air trying to find permanent for noon to three we don't need to try and find three to six as well um so i i guess i've just been confused by hardball and and it probably is far for the course of who he is as a human and you know, I, I think he's kind of a difficult one to crack um and right now you can interview him you know this is the time where all the candidates that have been mentioned for the Colts so far i think there's six in total they all can interview this week because either none of them are involved in the playoffs or Shane Steichen's the Eagles OC, and and they have a bye. And Harbaugh, of course, could interview at any time and has already interviewed with Denver. So um, it, it's just been an odd process. And that typically probably is the case with college coaches, but I feel like with Harbaugh, it's been even odder. I'd agree with you on this. It, I, I put it this way. Even before I saw that, that tidbit from Jeremy Fowler, Kev, I, I thought, is it that he wants zero to do with it? Doesn't want to come down here because the meddling of the owner, because they're still going to be a going into a seventh year sitting general manager that, according to the general manager yesterday, has failed um, because of where they are going into a new era with a quarterback here at some point, again, a young quarterback. Or is it just a, an incredibly well-kept secret 
that rarely happens in terms of anything NFL and certainly around here. Which side would you be on if I presented that question to you? I mean, it seems like the Harbaugh camp is pretty open to leaking things right now. You know, the the Carolina side of it, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I wish I had the exact language on it, but basically Carolina said that Dave Tepper, their owner, finally met with Harbaugh because after convincing from the Harbaugh camp, something along those lines. And then, Did you see the Tom Palacero one yesterday about – Harbaugh is waiting on Indianapolis because he doesn't want to step on Jeff Saturday's toes. That made zero sense to me. We actually played that clip back, and he's a he's a good dude, but that made zero sense to me. Why would that be? Yeah. Obviously, they have no overlap here, you know, playing-wise. No. I mean, Saturday got here in, what, 99? And I, I, you would know better than I, but I don't think there's a big ring of honor reunion each year like oh let's all get together and play golf and there's not there's not (laughs) no i i I don't think there's anything along those lines so i don't know where the harbaugh jeff saturday connection would be um so yeah again i'm just really confused by it i mean chris ballard wants things to be a steel trap i mean he does not want things to get out but you've got agents and you've got other parties involved in this that have different agendas and it's why you see all these reports get out of coaching candidates that are being interviewed. And if, if Michigan or if Harbaugh's agent, which I assume he does, wants any sort of contractual impact for his client, he's going to leak that. And it already leaked in Denver. It already leaked in Carolina. So I would think if there would be or is contact with Indianapolis, we would hear about it. So Kevin Bowen, 107.5 The Fan dot com with his work in Kevin's Corner and of course the morning show Kevin and Query 7 until 10 a.m. Monday through Friday here on The Fan. Uh, We haven't talked about this and I'm not at all going to challenge anybody's sincerity because frankly I don't want anybody to challenge mine. I'm on the up and up and you know if if somebody is coming out and being sincere then until I hear otherwise find out otherwise I will say okay you're being sincere but the fact that everybody is falling in love with the especially opener of that presser yesterday where he says he failed. First of all, he, he didn't just fail this year. It has been a complete failure for the better part of six years. It's been more than just this year. And while sincere and understandable, I would challenge anybody that was really taken by that and now thinks that this is the future and it's going to work, that he had nothing else that he could possibly say under those circumstances after this past year. Yeah, I was saying to Jake earlier today, John, it's simply he apologized for doing a bad job. Like, as he should, I would I would think. I mean, not like I'm the apology police here, but, I mean, if I brought home a GPA in high school of 1.5, I think my parents would expect me to apologize, you know, take accountability for all those things. And honestly, maybe because Jeff Saturday took no accountability on Monday for going 1-7 and seven and having the historical losses, Maybe Chris Ballard taking the accountability on Tuesday was such a stark contrast. That's why people are reacting to it in that way. So, so he really doesn't want him as the next head coach because he completely <laughs> he completely goes opposite. He kind of leaves him on that um, that island of non ownership. Is what you're saying? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I, I don't know if I'm going there. I asked him uh, directly. I was like, "What does one and seven mean for Saturday's yeah. candidacy or his evaluation?" Mm. And, and he didn't want to go down that path either. Um, you know, Chris Ballard knows what he's doing behind a mic. Um, his emotions, oftentimes his body language, I, I would think are some areas where, 
you know, he admittedly can't really control, and rightfully so. I remember how pissed he was during the Andrew Luck retirement press conference. And obviously we, we saw how he looked a couple months ago, you know, during the Frank Wright, Jeff Saturday situation. Um, so, yeah, humility, apology, fine. I'm not going to, like, you know, swoon him for that. Um, I mean, honestly, it, my early thoughts during that press conference, John, and was just like, I can't believe this dude is here about to embark on a seventh year as general manager. Like that, that was kind of my early thought through it of like, if you were to, you know, look at yes. an NFL resume and say, no division titles in the easiest division in the NFL, one playoff win, no direction like upward. Like it, it's not like you have a young quarterback here in year six that has shown you something. I mean, you, you just had your lowest point of a as a franchise, and I would argue two and a half decades, if not longer. And so, you know, when you add all that up, you think about his approach being a bit archaic, in my opinion, and then his approach being, all right, I, I should say his approach not working either. Like offensive line, defensive line, those two areas, especially offensive line, I would say have severely underperformed based on how much you've invested in that. When you add all that up, and it's just kind of wild to me that he is now going to get <laughs> no. a seventh year. Yes. And in all likelihood, this is going to reach a full decade I'm, of him yes, being yes. a general manager. And when you look at your GM history and those resumes, that is uh, the steel phrase from Jim Irsay. That's that's rare. rare. Um, has Ballard hit on a lot of draft picks? Without question. Do we have an example in our own market of a president GM that has changed their ways? And Kevin Pritchard, certainly. So maybe Ballard will fall that script. But it's just for NFL teams, it's rather unprecedented that he's still here. He just seems so stubborn in terms of what he believes. You know, that whole square peg and a round hole type of force into fit that I don't know if I buy he's going to change his his thoughts in, in the way he puts together a team. You? Yeah, I'm kind of in believe it. I'll believe it when I see it mode with him. Um, you would like to think that reaching kind of rock bottom would get him to, in his words, and it's a word that I've used to describe him before, and he, he used it yesterday, so credit to him. He called himself stubborn with with his approach. Um, I almost think like your hand is forced. You know, it'd be one thing, again, if his philosophy was working and, and if he had, you know, different areas of success he could point to and say, no, 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 see – there it was good. Here it was good. Like the results are the results in a bottom line business and the results haven't been there. So, you know, when he did answer and you can sift through a lot of the press conference and you can probably spin things one way or the other, but I did think when he was asked directly, kind of like lay out the mistakes. And the first mistake he said was probably the constant turnover at quarterback. You know, that sort of admittance, I think makes me think, and who knows, maybe the owner will flat out just demand it. That makes me think that they will finally go in a different direction. The one thing about Jake earlier today that is puzzling to me, John, is, I mean, you look at where Chris came from. He, he came from Kansas City. And in that building, they made the playoffs the year before they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith was a very fine quarterback. Andy Reid is thought of as one of the more brilliant offensive minds of modern football. And when you think about Andy Reid and that organization sitting down and saying, guys, we've reached a ceiling with our organization. Alex Smith can only take us so far. We need to do something different. 
and Ballard was a part of the early process with Patrick Mahomes. It's odd to me that we're all creatures of our environment, of our history, all those things. It's just odd to me that he comes from Kansas City, he's seen what's happened with Kansas City, and yet he's had a refusal to try and do what Kansas City did, and that is trade up, you know, 20-some spots to take Mahomes in 2017, and obviously – Look at what's happened. Well, I, I think to me, you give that Kansas City scenario out there, and I, I buy what you're saying. But if the, the Hunt family came down and said, "Hey, this uh, this quarterback's kind of a jackstick here, and you got to get rid of him and get somebody else," I, I don't know if Andy Reid or anybody else, whether you know John Dorsey or Pate or any of these any of these figureheads organizationally, would have much uh, of leverage to work this out because essentially. Now, the owner certainly has a great deal of accountability in that quarterback position and how this path has taken shape as well, no doubt. Yeah, and again, it's a little odd to me that Jim Mercer signed off on it in that, you know, you think about his time as general manager, and again, you would know this far better than I, but it was a lot of quarterback turnover. Uh, I mean, certainly an attempt with Jeff George, a big attempt, but he saw what happened with the revolving door, and then he saw what happened with you know, they achieved quarterback continuity with Peyton and Andrew Luck. And I, and I fully acknowledge Peyton and Andrew Luck are on, you know, and is obviously Peyton is on, you know, one far end of the spectrum. Um, so, yeah, to your point, John, I, I, I've been a little bit of a head scratch here in that, wow, Jim Irsay has agreed on this. Like I, something Ballard said yesterday that I couldn't believe was just, you know, they thought Carson Wentz could have been a five, six, seven-year answer. And it's like, man, I know hindsight's twenty twenty. But didn't Philadelphia tell you everything you needed to know? I mean, Philadelphia's actions from, you know, drafting Jalen Hurts to you know, firing Doug Peterson. Again, they drafted Jalen Hurts before Carson Wentz led the league in interceptions in 2020. Yet they knew the writing was on the wall and that they needed to have some insurance. And sure, Frank Reich certainly coaxed Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard into, you know, those two believing that he could resurrect them, but. Uh, you know that was a just a huge mistake, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty. But looking back on it, uh, that is one that took out a first round pick for you last year, and certainly has continued to restrict you. It's Kevin Bone with us. We move forward here in the month of March. Thirty three, going to still be playing and playing at a high level for this Pacer team when we hit the month of March. Boy, it's a great question. Um, you know, the report over the weekend of Mark Stein, you know, and Miles's camp you know, whatever, saying no for now to the Pacers contract extension. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. You know, I'm a big believer that deadlines spur action, and now we're less than a month away, but that's still a long time for those two sides to potentially agree on something. The the one, I guess, I guess two areas, John, that make me think, again, I'll believe it when I see it, that Miles signs an extension here, is he changed agencies recently, I believe in the last couple of months, I don't think you change agencies to re-sign as a team you've been with for eight years. Um, and then secondly, he's never been a free agent in the NBA. And I think that's enticing to him to see what's out there. So that's what makes me think he could and will hit the open market. I would say the biggest calling card of me not being as confident in that as I was a couple months ago is certainly how he's played at Tyrese Halliburton. And I know it's something you brought up a whole lot. And I don't know if you caught any of Halliburton on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast earlier, but this dude is just wired such in the right way that, that, that this market needs, to be honest with you, um, for their point guard, for their leader. He just gets it. 
Um, I think Miles really enjoys playing with him on the floor and then off the floor. I think Tyrese is a rather low maintenance individual, which I don't think has been the case for you know recent stars here in in Indy. So uh, that is I keep on coming back to and, and talking with someone over the Pacers a few weeks back of be careful what you wish for, and, and, and if Miles acknowledges that then, you know, maybe he will say, I've got a pretty good situation going here. I've hit my stride. I've hit my prime, however you want to call it. Let's let's ride this out a little bit further. But if he thinks this is my first chance, maybe my last chance to really cash in, change agencies, money talks, people that have very little ties to Indiana and know what Indiana means to Miles starts to be in his ear, then we could see him not sign an extension. And as I've said all along, if February 9th rolls around and it's the trade deadline and Miles Turner does not sign an extension, you have to trade him. And then your season goes right down the crapper. See you later. This magical season right. ends. And, and you know what, John? That's probably the most dis- one of the one of the few disappointing things about this season is I have zero confidence in any sort of backup five. Like I don't. If you're going to tell me, all right, somebody on this roster not named Miles Turner is going to be your starting center for 75 games next year. Boy, I, I have zero confidence in any of them. I mean, honestly, I'd probably say, is Daniel Tice healthy? Like, that's that's probably the route that I would go. And, you know, I, it's not like the exact comparison because Buddy Heald is such a unique weapon. But if you were to trade Buddy, you could come up with backcourt minutes to de- deviate out to other guys, divvy up to other guys in the backcourt. Again, none of them are anywhere near the type of consistent every night shooter that Buddy is, but there's at least young lottery pick talent you would want to see more out of. In the at center, like yeah, I'd like to see more of Isaiah Jackson. I guess I'd like to see a little bit more Jalen Smith, but I lack the confidence there of having a guy you can kind of pass the torch to that I would in the backcourt. Because how I kind of view the paces right now is if you re-sign Miles the one obvious clear need entering the offseason would be kind of that big wing defender, 6'8", 6'9", you know, the OG Ananobi type. And obviously if you trade Miles, not only do you need the big wing defender, but you also need to go out and find some sort of five because, again, in my opinion, I don't think you've seen enough from the young guys on your roster to make you feel confident about the future there if it's not Miles. I feel really good about all this. I think I love all this. I've seen you bask in the glory a little bit on that. I am basking. There may be some basking going on here. You may see it. Now, I mean, who knows if he, like, last time out against the Knicks, he didn't have, I think that was his last bad game. Uh, Wasn't a good game. So maybe if that happens tonight, maybe uh, for one night only, my basking will take a pause. But right now, I'm enjoying basking. No doubt. November 1st. 2023, better chance Miles Turner is with the Pacers or Jeff Saturday is with the Colts? Miles Turner is with the Pacers. Because I, I still I, – I think I think that they're going to take a – we just don't know it or people don't know it yet – a huge swing at hardball here that we don't know. And two things actually from the Colts. These are have-tos. If you're going to try to sell again another couple, three years to close out a contract at the very least on Chris Ballard, then you got a couple of absolutes. you got to get your ass up to number one to make sure you can pick from absolutely anything you want at the quarterback position, and you have to have Jim Harbaugh here. Those are two absolutes. Hey, heavy deal. I know. I'm asking a lot, but... Yeah, you're going to go ahead and make everybody buy your general manager for a seventh year and beyond. You got a couple of absolutes on your plate right now. There they are.
Yeah, I'm probably in the team get to one camp as well. I, yeah, you can't sit on your ass and think nope. they're going to fall to four. You can't. Whoever you think is and you can't be You can't be four. outworked by other teams that also want to get up there, which right. is also a frightening aspect. And again, that's the worry about Chicago being up there. I get that Chris Bauer has a lot of connections with Ryan Poles, their GM. They work together in Kansas City. Obviously, Matt Eberflus as well. But, I mean, Chicago can just – if I'm Chicago, I wait till 745 – the night of the draft and who's going to give me the Ricky Williams package. I mean, who's going to give me everything to get up here and get that number one pick because yep. they have that ability with the fact that they have a guy that they obviously feel good about with Justin Fields. Get, get uh, Eberflus some guys off this defense this year. You know what I mean? And that's fine with me. That's that, that yeah. is the price you pay to get what you believe to be your long-term quarterback asset here so utilize guys off your roster right now especially if you're going to change defenses you know if you're going to make any change guys on that side of the ball lose some value i i I do think i mean if i were chicago i don't know how i would feel about that i'd probably want picks more than i want players but maybe eberflus has a little bit of say up there that he can dictate i think eberflus may want to go ahead and like get the winning going here relatively soon though right instead of waiting on picks to develop and crap That'd probably be well served. Yeah. 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 They didn't yeah, they didn't they didn't yeah, the, the competitive losses uh not gonna last too long up there in Chicago. My friend, I appreciate you. Shout out to the fam. You and uh, Jake have a hell of a morning coming up on Thursday morning. So uh your dad, mom, everybody okay? We're good. We're good. They they would definitely say hey to you. So my brother, uh, we need to get you back on in the mornings. Hey, you know, I love your brother. You know, once upon a time, your brother bought Blake a Gonzaga shirt. And it is still one my, my daughter Laney wears it all the time. It said, this is home on the back. And it has the state of Washington and Spokane. That's your brother. I think it was, um, I think, it, and he'll probably, he's probably listening, so he'll probably text me and, and correct me, but remember when you like walk into finish line and they would have just all those college t-shirts yep. on the table? I, I, I think that's where that's where he got it from. No, I, I bullcrapped my kids and said that uh, he went to Spokane and got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, work trip to Spokane, yeah. <laughs> he did that just for you. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, buddy. Exactly. I pre- hey, IU better win tonight, just like Ooh. my Sycamores are going to win tonight, right? There you go. Man, that would be quite the warm seat back to Bloomington. Uh, NCAA tournament warm seat, I, I would say, for Mike Woodson. There's, if, there's, if that were to be a yeah, long and uh, the the former believers will be otherwise. And then you're going to start looking at the Archie Miller start, right, in the Big Ten compared to that uh, Mike Woodson start of the Big Ten. And you may not like what you see, I'm assuming. And, you know, I, I get it's road in the Big Ten, and you, and you look at these as kind of luxury games, but you've already lost one at home. Yes. To on paper, an easy team. And if you look at the next, like, handful of games at home, I mean, you got some tough opponents. So, yeah, uh, tonight would be well served for Mike Woodson to win this one. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. That is Kevin and Query. Appreciate you, brother. See you, John. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Back to back to back, they go at home down on the south side off of Hannah Avenue. In the inside, the top 25 and red hots. Paul Casaro led UND Greyhounds, and the head coach of UND is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How much of this appreciation on this run and this fantastically enjoyable season so far would you lay on the shoulders directly of Michael Burris? A lot? Much? 100%. As you know, he is the brain trust of the organization. He is. And you know what? With all those brains out of eastern green county we may not have a lot left down there right now so we're hoping well, know, I, we're hoping to add more toughness to you <laughs> i know he's always off his toughness to you for giving him buckets and all those open jumps it's, did he ever tell you about um us playing pickup two on two on uh, sunday mornings when it's like 95 degrees inside of the hyper do you ever tell with me and him and mark barnheiser of lafayette jeff and his brother Justin, you oh, ever tell you those stories? Two, two on two full court, 95-degree gym, you know, five, six in the morning, and you guys would go for, you know, hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. yeah, I think I, would, I lost literally like 25 pounds, I think, just by doing that. Full then court, two on two. <laughs> yeah, we can't do that today. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you, though. I love, I have played, because of Mark Barnheiser's influence, I have played a great deal of full court two-on-two, and then even at the Baxter YMCA, full court one-on-one in the mornings where people would walk by working out and say, you guys are nuts. Say, yeah, yeah, we are. We're nuts. Well, I love it. Yeah. Hey, talk about your team right now. Inside the top 25, that's awesome. And on a nice little run, what has worked so far and uh, the success? Is it what you expected to this point with this team? Yeah, well, I appreciate you having us on to you know, showcase the kids. We got, we got a really good group. And, yeah, we were top 25 in both coaches and media poll. Um, not really trying to focus too much on that, just trying to focus on the next game, obviously. But we have a four-game um, four game home stretch coming up. And really just encourage, you know, Indianapolis fans to come out and watch. It starts tomorrow, then Saturday, Monday, then the following Saturday. Um, we got the, – the reason that we're, we're having such success is we have just a really unselfish group. We play 11 deep. They just care about winning. They play good defense. They share the ball on offense. Just a great group of guys that, you know, on Saturday afternoons, if you don't have anything better to do with, you know, young kids, these are the type of guys yep. you want your youngsters watching. Well, and there are so, so many notables here locally. Like, I was going to ask you how my guy B. Nickerson is doing for you guys right now. There's another Center Grove product, a, a local kid that obviously a lot of people already know a great deal about already. Yeah, Ben's doing great. You know, and he's one of the kind of those – uh, those unsung heroes. Ben, you know, hasn't been the guy that you know was averaging 20 points a game. But we would not be 12 and two without Ben. You know, uh, I, I was talking uh, to people this morning about how uh, our road win against Jury over the past weekend. Ben comes off the bench, plays 10 minutes. It's kind of a tight game, but he drives middle late in the shot clock, driving kick three. We get an M1 to a full-point play, but that play by him to get the bucket busted it open, and we were like plus 12 or 13 in his short time on the court. So guys like Ben that, hey, are just bought in, and, you know, we've had 11 guys score double figures at points this year. So it's just it could be anybody's night, any given night, and guys really bought into that. Now leading your team scoring wise is another local notable in in Jesse Bingham playing at a high level this season too. Yeah, Jesse's uh Jesse's a beast. Um I I, I I'd be lying if I didn't uh, say that I, I think he's the best player in our league and you know uh, one of the best players in the country. Um you know 
he's so versatile. You know, you can drive it, he can shoot it, he can post it, he can defend one through the four. You know, his assist numbers are up. Um, he's just a really well-rounded kid, but it's because he works so hard. And then he's uh, just like Ben and all of our guys. He's a quality young man as well. Yeah, and here's the other thing too. If you know, when you're obviously wanting to to get people and come out in this four game homestand to watch you, um, if you like offense, like we all do, because we only we if we say we love defense or like defense, we're really lying. We all love offense. <laughs> uh, so, um, you guys put up some numbers on a game to game basis. Yeah, we're, we're really starting to, um, you know, uh, and we have been pretty solid defensively you know, from start to finish this year. Uh, but offensively over the last, you know, four to five games, we've really, really started to hit our stride. And, you know, the best way to describe it is, you know, like we like to say, and this is a Burris-ism, uh, we, 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 we share the sugar. You know, we, we, we definitely share the ball, and uh, we get the best shot possible every possession. And with that, when you're as deep as we are, you know, we're kind of a hard scout, I think, because we have multiple guys that can go for double figures. And I, I think our ball movement, our pace at which we play, and just having uh, the depth, we can come at you a lot of different ways. So Paul Casaro is the head coach of UND. As he mentioned, four straight games down on the south side off of Hannah on the University of Indianapolis campus beginning coming up tomorrow evening, 7.30. That is against Missouri S&T. A little bit about that squad. And then if you will, I know a big one on the 14th. You've got a top 15 team in your building, and that's a large one on January the 14th. A little bit about these two consecutive games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. and I'm glad you mentioned that tomorrow. Missouri SMC is a very, very good team. They average, talk about offense, they average 87 a game. They're leading the league in scoring. Uh, they're top 15 in the country in scoring. Uh, they have four guys that average 12 or more. So we're, we better be uh, on our best defensive efforts tomorrow. And, you know, they're four and two in the league. Really, really good opponent. And telling our guys, like, we need to be focused on S&T. You know, like, we don't need to be focused on the top 25 matchup that Saturday. Now, that's all well and good. And we'll focus on that when we wake up Friday morning. But right now, all our efforts and uh, emphasis is on Missouri S&T. But when we do wake up Friday and stuff, that's, uh, you know, UMSL, uh, Missouri-St. Louis, that's the, the short version for, uh, for for their school. They, uh, they're they a really good team. You know, top 15, uh, top 25 matchup. And, you know, that'll be exciting, too. They actually are, are the team that beat us in the GLVC championship game last year. So uh, we've had some good uh, good matchups with them, and I'm sure it'll be a good one again. Hey, Paul, are you getting out of this group what you expected to get out of them to this point? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, like I said, the big thing with this group is uh, I've asked them, like, hey, our mentality is we just got to keep getting better every single day, no matter what we're doing. Let's just get better, keep getting better. Because I think we have a really talented group, and uh, their work ethic, their attitude – uh, couldn't ask for much more, and it, it's fun to see it all come together. Hey, uh, did you ever lie to Wants and tell him that you love playing defense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I only <laughs> cared about offense in high school. There's no, no doubt about it. And then when I got to college, I realized I wasn't that good at the college level uh, that I actually had to play defense to go on the court. So, uh, so Wants is probably thinking, man, I wish you would have uh, – Wish you would have cared on the defensive end back at Ron Conley like you did when you were at UND. That's hell, man. Telling you, I, I I love it though. I mean, just a great place to go watch a game as well. And four straights inside the top twenty-five, and it begins coming up tomorrow night on Indy Southside with UND their head coach Paul Casaro. 
is with us. I love talking to you up. You know how much I love basketball. And really, uh, we reach folks also. We have a lot of like-minded folks that love basketball as well. And you guys, the product and the environment down there is just awesome, especially for the younger kids that are developing into those basketball fans. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's what we're trying to build here is, you know, the kind of like the, the, the family atmosphere game on, on, on the south side for, on Saturdays. And, you know, we found Thursday nights, too. I, and I think people really enjoy coming to watch the local flavor on our team. And, you know, funny thing is, uh, John, I, you know, I saw Brent Nickerson today. He said he saw me saw you the other day at the Center Grove game. And, you know, we think you ought to come out on a Friday and do your show from Nickerson Hall. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's an idea. Yes, that's a hell of an idea right there. Now, I don't know. I spent one year down there. I, we may have to check and make sure I'm still allowed on campus. I'm not quite hey, sure. Lunch is, lunch is on me if you can do it. <laughs> that sounds like a plan right there, right. though. But seriously, I mean, it is um, it is a great place to watch basketball. I mean, it really is. And uh, the brand that you guys are playing, um, especially with the uh, the local flavor around here too, and I, I love I love how you recruit because that that becomes a specialty, does it not? At that level, to to make sure that you're covered each and every year with everything that's going on, and um, it, it's probably something that <laughs> takes a little bit of time and effort to find out exactly what your path should be. Absolutely, you know, I, you know, we we want to uh, build from the inside out. Now, not saying that we're not going to go out and get the guys from out of state or out of country if they fit what we need, but we're going to build our foundation in Indianapolis, and then you know, build out through Indiana. You know, we got a kid from Fort Wayne, Carroll, uh, David Eja on our team, transferred from St. Francis up in Fort Wayne. So that's still inside out, in my opinion. You know, and uh, one Indianapolis, Indiana based, and then once we build that foundation, we'll be able to see okay whether it's positionally whether it's skill set or whether it's class balance, okay, yeah. where are the holes we need to fill? And that's when we're going to go out of state, out of country to, to, to fill out the rest of the roster. And I think we've done a really good job bringing in the right mix. Well, no doubt about that. Paul Casar is the head coach of UIndy. Four straights on Indy Southside beginning tomorrow night at Nickerson Hall. That's versus Missouri S&T and number 11, Missouri St. Louis on the 14th, 16th, Maryville and uh, McKendry in town on the 21st to wrap up four straight at home, a team inside the top 25 and certainly worth a substantial look. Paul Casaro and the gang at Indy the Greyhounds and Paul's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Congratulations on where you are right now. Keep that thing humming and let's check back in to this Friday night on the south side type of deal. All right, sounds great, John. You have a great week. Hey, Thanks, tell Burris I said hey. Will do, bud.